inescapable love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter! Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches read Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am... Griffin Dyke Extraordinaire, Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about chapter 18 of Goblet of Fire, The Wang of the Wands, in which Harry wakes up still in his own personal hell of being the fourth champion, and Ron still being a complete dick to him. Thankfully, Hermione, the only student with any sense, apparently, knows that obviously Harry did not do this or want this. She also clues Harry into why Ron is pissed which boils down to classic middle child at their breaking point. But Harry is understandably pissed that this possible life-ending situation he is in is the time that Ron gives him the cold shoulder. After way too much prodding from Hermione, Harry writes Sirius to be like, so what had happened was, someone is once again trying to kill me. At least everyone's favorite mom, Hagrid, believes Harry didn't do it and is in danger, which is great. Uh, unfortunately, classes suck because 75% of the student body hates him. And once again, no adult cares how literally the whole goddamn school is treating Harry. Without Ron as, as his ride or die, which, way drop the ball here, Ron, Harry does not want to be the main character anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, this all comes to a head before double potions when Draco shows off his childish insulting buttons that every damn Slytherin is now wearing. Harry and Draco duel very badly and our tenderheart queer Hermione gets hit with a spell and is abjectly humiliated by Snape, an adult person. <sighs> Harry, assuming rightly that Snape is going to poison him, for sure, is saved by a little Colin Creevy being like Harry has a champion's thing. This turns out to be all the judges are here for the weighing of the wands, and we finally meet, often talked about, Miss Rita Skeeter in the flesh. She's fucking fabulous and relentless and corners Harry for a deeply embellished interview that is cut short by Dumbledore himself. Anyway, everyone's wands work. Floor does in fact have Vila heritage. And when Harry is done, there is a letter from Sirius that essentially says, get ready, stay ready until we can FaceTime in November. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Um, I'm going to take a moment here at the top to plug my tarot deck thanks you can't see me waving my hands but i'm very excited thank you so much yeah i've talked about this on escape from reality but i have not talked about it on this podcast yet uh i designed a tarot deck it's real cool and i'm doing a kickstarter for it it would make me very happy if you would check it out i'll put a link in the show notes there will also be a link to it on our website and on my website and on our social media so it should be pretty easy to find i'm really proud of it yes that's that i'm very excited that this is this is happening (sighs) thank you me too i'm very anxious about it um yeah and with that we're going to get into today's headlines students demands for an inquiry into the behavior of potions master severus snape were denied citing tenure oh Mm -hmm. sad trombones (laughs) Yep, and now we're going to turn to the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Uh, just Hermione remains being the being the best mom friend. <laughs> Bringing Harry toast and he's like, wow, do not want to go into the Great Hall. And Hermione's like, I already thought about that. Yeah, she's a great friend in this chapter. Yeah. That's actually also my first thing. Because she's like... I know that she's hanging out with Harry, but I feel like she's also being really understanding to Ron, who is having really understandable feelings and helping Harry understand those. And I particularly love when she's like, no, I'm not telling Ron anything. Like, that's not going to solve anything. If you want to tell Ron something, you tell Ron something. And I was like, yes, you are crushing it. Like, top level friending, Hermione. 
Yeah, Hermione's like, this isn't middle school. I'm not gonna pass notes between you guys. Just talk, just talk it out. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the correct action. It totally is. Yeah. What a good friend. Um, also on, well, sort of on Hermione, she's talking to Harry about why he needs to write to Sirius and, you know, how he's going to find out anyway. And she says, you're already in half the books about you know who, you know. And I just wrote, no, he does not. He has <laughs> no idea. <laughs> because he's read none of those books. I actually do have something about that later, a little bit about that later in the in one of the other sections. But yeah, he really just remains still blissfully ignorant about anything anyone has ever said about him. And I'm like, yep. I don't know. I agree. Uh, it's your turn. Um, I don't know why this makes me laugh so much, but just Hedwig being petty as fuck this entire <laughs> chapter because Harry won't let her send one letter she's just like no fuck you like the rest of the chapter (laughs) just like what are you a cat what is happening yeah i think she is the cat of birds yeah yeah harry better watch out before she like vomits a owl pellet into his shoes or So I think that Malfoy had these buttons professionally made. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I think he mail ordered them. I think that's why they came two weeks after the whole thing happened. Can I can't imagine him putting in the effort to like making tons and tons of like light up buttons. I don't know. Cause I I actually think he made them and that it is actually Probably, I mean, it's, I think in his mind, a better use of his time than, like, studying. <laughs> I agree, but I think he would get more, like, it feels fancier to him to have these, like, professionally made buttons, you know? Every single one of them is identical. They're, like, you know, have the reinforced backs. Like, I just think <laughs> it feels much more like snotty rich kid for him to have, like, sent away for these buttons. They're, like, the nicest enamel pins that they also happen to just, like, the text changes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, whatever it is, it is also a pretty hilarious level of petty. It truly <laughs> just, is. It's just... <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I just want to say that, you know, Hagrid's heart is in the right place, but she really should have gotten some harnesses or, like... A gentle leader for like these skirts. Um, I mean, probably not letting fourteen-year-olds be drug around by these giant, strong, dangerous creatures. But yep, I don't know. <laughs> it is still a pretty funny mental image of like some, some slithered child just being dragged like <laughs> several yards by this like <laughs> like. Just the worst sort of crab you could ever imagine. They're so terrible. They're so awful. They're so terrible. (laughs) (sighs) I am really loving the idea, like the mental image of like a gentle leader on a screw. Just. (laughs) I, I. I've seen images of Scroots. I still have a really hard time imagining, like, where the leash goes. Is it held in place by, like, going between some of their legs? It must be. Or, like, I don't know, if they grew a weird exoskeleton, then they're, maybe they have, like, plates that could, like, go, but I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've also never seen a satisfactory piece of art about what they must look like it's all pretty horrifying but mm-hmm. it's like it's really like one of the few bits of comedy just to imagine all the kids just being dra- dragged around in every direction by these terrible creatures yeah oh jeez. yep i weirdly don't have anything else in this section today uh i have a couple other things okay uh mostly that i feel like 
this walking a skirt is a really good metaphor for how Harry is feeling right now in his life. Where he's just being dragged through the mud by this, like, <laughs> terrible thing, and he, like, can't. He's, like, it's too strong, so he just has to, he just has to go be dragged in the mud with it. <laughs> so accurate. Uh, also, I'm going to use that in the future when I'm stressed <laughs> out. I'm going to be like, I feel like I'm taking a script for a walk. It's so Real, Really, it's taking you for a walk yeah. is what's happening. <laughs> oh, that's just so good, Jesse. Thank you. I mean, even Haggard is like, everything seems to happen to you, doesn't it? And it's just like, damn, that's so good. <laughs> Harry's like, I want to be a side character now. Can I be a background character? Can this happen to literally anyone else? Yep. Can I just have one chill year of school? <laughs> no, you may not, you cannot, sir. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn school. I feel like this chapter is such a great example about why the house system is really, really bad like oh yeah totally right having a second hogwarts champion would not be this kind of problem if there weren't houses yeah and i mean granted it's like i mean we've all seen teen movies a lot of us have been in high school it's like there's always going to be like weird inner student politics of like popular kids versus everyone fucking else or whatever but the house system really just it just it like there there just there is no inner house unity except i guess for everyone being united against hating harry potter at this moment which right. seems like a really shitty thing to feel united about yeah it's like large scale bullying it's so bad and like yeah it just it just wouldn't it wouldn't be the case that it was like the whole school hates Harry Potter now if they just yeah. were like in dorms, if there weren't houses. So yeah, down with houses. Yeah, no, it's just, and I think, I think it's like understandable. I think for the Hufflepuffs to feel a certain way mm -hmm. just because like, I think in Canon as like, we're, like, we're getting like in this chapter, it's like, the Hufflepuffs really have anything to be, like, really proud or excited about. Which, again, is, I think, another reason to be like, well, fuck these houses. <laughs> right? But, yeah, it's just that, like, it's like, what, like, the Ravenclaws, what the fuck are you guys doing? It's like, oh, because of Quidditch, we're all against each other. And I'm like, I don't think it's just Quidditch. <laughs> no. Even though it doesn't help. No. No, and neither does the, the House Cup, even if Quidditch didn't play into that at all. Right. Like... Yeah, no, so. it's not, it's not good. Have, like, yeah. a, be a normal school, have a valedictorian, and let the students compete against each other individually. Yeah. If you have to, or, you know, don't. <laughs> it's an alternative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's incredibly fucked up. And as I said in my intro, my intro, my summary, deeply upset unsurprised but deeply it said that none of the adults are doing a single thing about this i know yeah this is a really bad school and then everyone's like why is it hard for us to get together when they have to like deal with this literal fascist at, like two books from now and it's like huh i wonder why <laughs> gee it's a mystery it doesn't make any <laughs> sense <laughs> couldn't 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 put a finger on exactly what it is <laughs> <laughs> who 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 would have who could have seen this coming? <laughs> right. <sighs> yep. Um. Okay. So, why not just have someone examine all of the kids' wands at the beginning of the school year? This is the only time we're ever like, "Hey, because you literally need your wand to survive this deadly tournament that you're in. We're gonna make sure your wand fucking works." Or even just like have. Someone comes in to be like, let me just, you know, does your wand, is your um, wanting weird, do you need a tune-up or whatever the fuck? Like, why isn't there, like, IT for wands? Uh, especially at a school where people are learning how to use their wand. And, like, I mean, again, obviously, I ranted a lot about this in book two, where Ron just had a broken wand 
for the entire school right. year, which is like clearly impeding his education and no one seems to fucking give a fuck. No. And like, and if it is a thing where it's like, well, only someone like Ollivander could do that. What the fuck? Like if Ollivander had gotten fucking one of the fucking flying horses that had stomped him for whatever reason on his way up here, y'all be fucking screwed. No one would make wands. Wh- what? Even fucking Coca-Cola. There is at least two people who know the secret recipe. Are you kidding me? Yeah, totally. You're. That's a great point because he is real old. He should have an apprentice by now. He should have like eight apprentices or whatever. Yeah. Especially if your other option for wand making is Grigorovich, which LOL name drop. It's going to come in. It's going to come back later for us. Yeah. Or whatever French wand maker we are assuming. Or maybe you can just like get your wand made by some like because Fleur has this wand. We'll talk about the wand later. But it seems... Like, it would make so much sense to do this more than once in this entire fucking series. I know. Especially when you're presumably educating, like, the majority population of, like, witching, the witching UK. Yeah, this is a great point. What, yeah, what a good point. They should totally, they should totally be checking at, 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 yeah, at least at the beginning of the school year. Yeah. Or, like... You know, in in school, if you notice that a kid is struggling, you'll do things like suggest that they get their eyes checked because maybe they need glasses. So maybe when you see Ron suddenly performing absolutely terribly in class, instead of getting mad at him, you're like, should we have your wand checked? Is there a problem, an underlying issue that's and, that's contributing? And isn't this one of... The reasons that Neville, like, levels up in his classes is because he gets his own wand and not his father's wand, which, again, seemed like... I understand the impulse there, but, like, not setting your kid up... You're not setting your kid up for success. No, absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're totally right. Yeah, actually, my only other education points was the fucking scroots, so we already covered that. (laughs) So do you have anything else here? Uh, I think everything else I have about this goddamn school is in because there's a lot there (laughs) yeah there's so much welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up start with some magical racism uh yeah we can definitely talk about some magical racism I guess I just have it in uh, chronological order. We could also start with continuing the education section. I actually, I actually do also have this in chronological order, but I have a, actually have a different point that is brought up in this chapter. Okay, let's start with yours. Okay, so I'm actually going to go out on a limb and say that Malfoy is probably not exaggerating that half the previous Triwizard Tournament students end up dead, <laughs> and. I was, like, sitting with that, and I'm like, that seems excessive, even for this witching world, which seems to, like, assume you're probably not going to die doing a dangerous thing, even though it's, like, you only got a little bit more sense of caution, Mm -hmm. (laughs) some more safety standards built into your world, whatever. And then I was kind of like, it's a little bit like how, it's a little bit with football, American football, how... We know it causes traumatic brain, like deeply, like un- irreversible traumatic brain injuries. And we're still like, this is fine for like teenagers. Right. And like, you know, people who are 19 and 20 and still growing to be doing right. whatever. Who cares if you like die at 35 and have tremendous brain scarring and like, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, <sighs> sports suck really everywhere. Um, dangerous sports. Let's not. Let's not have kids do potentially deadly sports. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. American football should be banned, honestly. I mean, truly. Or at least... (laughs) Change it to touch football. Right. It could just be flag football. No one has to have their so many traumatic brain injuries. It really is, like, the best example, I think, or, like, the icing on the cake of how America is just, like, Rome again. Because it is like, no, we want to watch naked men battle each other to the death for sport like that's what we as a society really really want in our heart of hearts and 
that's what we have like we have football instead of like gladiators and okay <laughs> yeah so uh fucked up dangerous sports for your youth is a thing that happens like unfortunately yep uh sorry did you want to go back to surprise magical racism just casually slipped in there it's maybe the most intense it's been so far i don't know it's maybe the most personal i don't know malfoy is fucking the worst so far this book every time he interacts with hermione you're like oh my god reminder for anyone who didn't read this chapter he offers hermione a support cedric badge and says don't touch my hand now i've just washed it and don't want a mud blood sliming it up i'm really glad harry cursed him i just want to put that out there or tried to yeah <laughs> anyway yeah it's like harry this actually would have been the time to like punch him in the face because he would not have been expecting that that's true yeah if you were close enough you could have just hit him in the face. Imagine just getting his wand out and then just stabbing Malfoy in the eye with it <laughs> instead of casting a spell. Yeah, the perfect surprise attack. Right? Oh, <laughs> uh, when he's so pissed, I was laughing at her. She's just like, I'm out. Uh, yeah but yeah sally does not work which maybe means we can slide into the next uh glaring red political red flag of this chapter which is snape being possibly literally the worst that he is in this series of books this is definitely one of the like what the fuck is wrong with you never be around children yeah or anyone maybe yeah and uh, listeners, to refresh your memory, this is when Herm- Hermione is, of course, hit by Draco's spell ricocheting off of Harry's spell, and her teeth starts to grow alarmingly large, which is already horrifying. And Snape is just like, I don't see any difference. And it's just like, you motherfucker. Yep. <laughs> uh... <sighs> All the things that Harry is imagining doing to Snape, like, while he's sitting in class just fuming, I, that is exactly how I also feel. Just, yeah i think i highlighted everyone it's just like yeah, yeah just why are you yelling at him just fucking i don't know just fucking body check him right now i know Harry, who gives a fuck transfigure him into a ferret and then <laughs> i don't know flush him down the toilet just oh my god lock him in the chamber of secrets you know how to open it <laughs> Oh, wow. And yeah, Harry would be like, I actually don't know how to transfigure a person. So you'd just be a really weird (laughs) ferret man for the rest of the book. Um, Which, you know, would be a good reflection about how you're just a fucking monster on the inside. It's like everything... Uh, listen, we're recording this after Christmas, so all I can just think of is all the nasty shit they say about the Grinch in the Grinch song. It's like, <laughs> basically Snape. Yeah. yeah, it is. <sighs> He's so awful. Yeah. Why is he, why is he even a teacher? Like, because Dumbledore does not give a fuck about... But anything in the Snape short term want to be a teacher in the first place i guess is actually what i'm asking here because like he applied to teach at hogwarts but i assume for the defense against the dark art position sure but it doesn't seem like he likes children or maybe he likes teaching but it doesn't seem like he likes children so like maybe he was sent by voldemort as to to be like a spy i don't know I don't know. Maybe it's like one of those things where you know how like, and I can't imagine it's actually ha- happening with Snape. But I feel like ev- like like sometimes you like meet someone who's like good at a thing, or maybe you've heard it. It's like, oh, you'd be a really good teacher, and be like, oh yeah, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. I like thinking of new ways to do the thing. Maybe I would be good at teaching. Mean, maybe like he had this like idea in his brain about like they'd be so excited to learn about defense against the dark arts, and they could appreciate my brilliance and my creativity as opposed to the like actual nitty grittiness of teaching which is not always glamorous right and i think from having not a lot of teachers is often not glamorous 
Uh, especially maybe you realize you don't like children, mm-hmm. but now he can't get out of it because Dumbledore is the fucking worst mm-hmm. and is like, well, I need you close at hand. Uh, so instead of like, I don't know, just brewing medical potions for us, which I could probably pay you to do full time, you're going to teach mm-hmm. this thing that you hate mm-hmm. and everyone else hates. Mm-hmm. So, and everyone else hates having you teach. So good luck. Yep. Yeah. It's so fucked up. I mean, what is Rita call uh, Dumbledore a like out of touch dingbat or something? Yeah, I'm like, she's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of Rita, shall we speak of Rita? Let's speak of Rita. Yeah. So Rita Skeeter should have been the just waving red flag that we all should have seen sooner that alerted us to jk rowling being such a fucking turf yeah because she is just completely coded as a trans woman in a way that like reading it now you're like this is 100 percent intentional there's no way that that wasn't what she was doing um correct and i mean you know we talked We've talked previously about this sort of people that we're not supposed to think are good people are often coded as doing gender wrong. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just the very, the way that Rita is described as having masculine features, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just just like trying to figure out how I want to say this. It's just in retrospect is cringe, even though reading this now i'm like uh rita is the fucking shit like (laughs) her aesthetic is everything oh my god yes okay i was like she's i don't know i feel like she does a lot of damage but yes aesthetically oh my god she's crushing it i mean rita is essentially like her own personal tmz yes which is a force you could say and has done a lot of fucked up shitty things let's be real but I mean, I guess I don't know if Timsy's done anything good, but I think it's okay when it exists at, in a, in a form where people are like, "I'm reading a gossip column." But she has access to writing for the only newspaper in this world, and so her shit is presented as being news, which I think is yeah. incredibly dangerous. You know, I I and you're right; it is incredibly dangerous the way that like it's being presented as like. But there's no fact checking. It's just presented as fact. I do have to say that, unfortunately, that's you could say that of almost of like any reputable news source in the U.S. Like the New York Times. And I don't know if it's just because collectively everyone is more like aware of how terrible, like terrible conservative old white dudes are. Mm. But I feel like I've seen way more pushback and criticism of like opinion pieces in newspapers that are written by old white dudes that are like completely just out of touch and like outside of reality and just being like how did this get published Mm -hmm. in the new york times like are you guys fucking kidding me oh i know and so i feel like what what rita is doing is in a lot of ways definitely incorrect but is incredibly realistic unfortunately yeah totally I didn't read it because it's paywalled, but I just want to note that the New York Times just published a an interview with J.K. Rowling about, like, a kid's book that she just put out. I know. I'm making, I'm making a, dist- a very just incredulously disgusted face. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. I'm, I'm going to say I'm sure we'll see screenshots on... I'm sure if I go on Twitter, yeah. I'm going to see people being like the fuck i know and i look forward to that commentary so i don't have to give them money trying to read that shit right with they're not gonna get my clicks new york times yeah so i don't know we should talk more about what rita's writing does when we actually get to it i feel like we got sort of off track from like the the fucked up of the way that she's described in the chapter which is what we should be i think talking about right now no you're right sorry i did get off i did get off track but I mean, I went with you. (laughs) So she's described as having, quote unquote, curiously rigid hair, which to me sounds like a wig, potentially. A heavy jawed face, thick fingers, a 
surprisingly strong grip, large mannish hands, and then uh, overly penciled eyebrows, which is interesting. I think I forgot that part. We get also just like general femme shaming where she's like got these bejeweled glasses and her long nails are mentioned like five times. Like she has long nails and they're painted. Um, And then she has like a like a shiny handbag, too. It's the first person we've ever seen with a purse in the whole series, I think. And it's made of crocodile. Yes, it is. And then I also noticed... I feel like, okay, so to activate a quick quotes quill to make it right in your style, you like put it in your mouth and it says she sucked on the quill with apparent relish, which to me feels very like, oh, like this lady likes giving head. Like it feels very Mm. sexualized in a weird way that I would think I was reading too much into, except I don't. I think I'm reading too much into it. No, the minute you say that out loud, it is, it does seem sexual either for like putting the pen in her mouth or about all of the like juicy ass shit she's about to make up about the situation. Yeah. Or maybe both, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. With apparent relish just feels very like, oh, she likes sucking on things, which like, Mm y'all, for the record, that's fine. It's beyond fine uh there's like literally nothing that should ever be shamed about enjoying performing oral sex also 14 year olds shouldn't be judging anyone about that because that's like the primary sex act that they're engaged in uh okay so i have another take to bring to rita's aesthetic that i was thinking about today because i think for the first time i'm actually i actually really paid attention to the things that we get that were described from Rita. Mm-hmm. So we get this like really styled and unmovable hairstyle. She has her like two inch press ons, her crocodile purse, and her gold teeth. And all of this together, I'm like, Rita's aesthetic is very like, is very hood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you said that her hair could be a wig, which I also agree with, but it could also just be like, she just has a really intricate, like, sew-in, like, weave situation. Mm-hmm. And I and I especially say that because, I f- because like, press-ons and gold teeth are definitely an aesthetic that is popularized by, like, Black and Latina people in cities that has been co-opted at this point by white people all over the world, all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the only people I ever see wearing crocodile anything are black people mm. and i mean detroit has its own like the cities cities have like varying sort of styles of what's going on but people in detroit love them some crocodile some crocodile shoes it's very it's it's very great and so part of me is also a little bit uncomfortable by this mm-hmm. because obviously a lot of turfism is based in racism and the racist the racist assumption of what gendered bodies look like Mm -hmm. especially female gendered bodies to all of our detriment and so i think i feel like giving rita these sort of uh like this aesthetic that is i very much associated with uh black latino hood culture it feels doubly gross Mm -hmm. for her to be giving these uh, attributes to someone who she is 110% writing as a villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're totally correct. And I mean, again, being a turf is also being a racist piece of shit because of how gendered bodies and racism intersect in an oval of a Venn diagram. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's just, it's just sort of doubly gross here where it's like, None none of these things are bad. Right. <laughs> All of these these things are in fact fabulous. Right. So it's just real shitty. Yeah, it's terrible. Um so I wanted to I guess suss out whether or not we're agreeing to read Rita as trans. My instinct is to refuse it. To be like, you can have this back. Like this is a way that cis women's bodies can and do look. And, like, we're not going to accept this, like, caricature of trans woman that you have presented us with. I'm open 
to discussing it though i also feel i also feel good about that and i also don't want to necessarily i don't want to lean into the scoundrel being shitty about trans women which is what's happening and i think it's also a not terrible reminder that i mean obviously gender is bullshit and even cis women have pronounced jaws and muscular large hands or you know and these sort of markers that get attributed to masculinity but it's like again this like racist sexist like patriarchal idea of like what a woman's body look like is false and has always been false right yeah cool uh i would i would be into reading rita as like either (laughs) like a person of color or wherever the poor people in the uk hang out like she's like from the council block or whatever yeah the an estate i want this aesthetic to make sense for her Mm -hmm. i mean in a way that's not an appropriation so i guess i don't know that makes does that make sense yeah i think so so because i feel like the like council estate is the uk version of the hood aesthetic Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of similarities for obvious reasons yeah Yeah. let her come by her press-ons and maybe i don't know some like really big hoop earrings which i'm pretty sure rita has that harry is just not paying attention to because that really completes the look Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh if anyone draws any fan art about this please send it to me because it it greatly amuses me because i want because rita is just really beautiful oh my god (laughs) even if even if she has very low more very dubious (laughs) morals (laughs) yeah yeah no i mean god you know she's wearing magenta here but i feel like her iconic look is when she's wearing robes the same color as her quill and that's how i imagine her this like vivid electric green yeah which also i mean i think she's not described as looking bad in which also lends itself to her being a person of color as you have pointed out Um, (laughs) there are a lot of colors that white people cannot wear effectively and i think that's one of them Welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff. Uh, this actually goes pretty well along with our politics section, which is how is this the first book for us slash Harry to realize that Harry has probably been in the tabloids and has been staying in the tabloids this entire time <laughs> for for her mind to be like, oh, you know, you're famous, right? <laughs> uh what a good point, Jesse. That's such a good point. I know Harry's too butch to fucking read Witch Weekly, but he's probably always in the tabloids. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, totally. All the time. He needs a um, a Google alert for his name. <laughs> he wouldn't look at it. He would just, he would delete all of those emails. That's about true. the Google alert. Yeah, he would. I guess it's a good thing Hermione's paying attention. Although I think there is something to be said for being like, I actually don't want to know. That can be a great source of self-preservation. This is true. This is very true. Uh, Yeah. Speaking of Harry, I find him to be very tragic in this chapter. I, I, I do. I feel so bad for him. Like every time someone believes him, the sense of just like utter relief that we see him experience is like, heartbreaking he's really going through it yeah this is a a, it's a very rough chapter for harry yeah it's really hard for him without like i mean i will make fun of ron all all day and all night i will but that is still like his best friend it's like his rock you -hmm. know and not having sort of ron's like steady ride or die like support with him is just like really fucking him up Mm -hmm. Um, which he says directly in in this chapter which is very sad yeah even though i do again i feel like ron's reaction is honestly understandable yeah i think i think it literally like this was this for whatever reason was just a thing that like was just too many things for him to just be like chill about yeah shitty timing very shitty timing yeah 
I feel like Hedwig not speaking to Harry really is like his tipping point. Like, I am a little bit shocked that he didn't just break down crying in the Owlery because I feel like that would have been the point where I just like snapped and couldn't keep it together anymore is when she's like, fuck off. And he's like, God damn it. Yeah, that would definitely be the why don't you love me part and the crying part. Yeah, exactly. So I also feel like I feel like this is one of the chapters where I get the strongest sense of why generally Gryffindors are painted as the kind of dumb jock stereotype. Because I would have liked for them to be showing a little more support or like outwardly being like, we can have two champions, like fuck off or chill out or like whatever. Um, But it seems like besides their enthusiasm that there isn't any kind of like outward show of support, you know, which he even was getting in book two. I mean, kind of from Fred and George, but still. Right. You know, like there are people in Gryffindor who were outwardly being like, Harry is not the fucking heir of Slytherin. And that just, that support is just not here in a mm. way where I'm just like, you guys could be a little strategic. You've been at the school a long time. You know how these cliques work. Right. <laughs> just a united front, maybe something. Right. It's like they're all excited and celebrating like within the house, but we don't see anything. Yeah, like why does no one why does no one besides Hermione confront Malfoy about his buttons in the hallway? I know. Yeah, it's it's very bewildering and just kind of a little bit for me. It's like y'all dropped the ball mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. They totally like this did. seems very much up the whole Gryffindor vibe is to be like, we're not gonna just let Harry stand by and have literally almost the entire student body like bully him. And it's like, but you got like anything really crickets mm-hmm. we're just getting crickets here yeah it's very unfortunate and also just like come on guys i know yeah it is uh so i just we get this all the time about the hufflepuffs like cedric is one of the only people who's ever brought them glory because he beat gryffindor in a quidditch match one time and i mean I, obviously it's like it's bad writing but like does does hufflepuff lose Every single Quidditch match that they play, have they never beat Slytherin or Ravenclaw? Um, I don't think they have. I don't. And granted, I'm not looking at a detailed list, which I'm sure exists of like, who is winning what, where. But mm-hmm. I don't think we do. This <laughs> this actually is my last point about the Hufflepuffs. And frustratingly, the Hufflepuffs don't really get a win again in the rest of the rest of the series it doesn't make any sense like why are they never in the running for the house cup is it just because they're bad at quidditch because these are these are the the good kids these are the sweet kind kids and i mean we we don't see people being rewarded for kindness which is a real fucking problem yeah but it just seems so unlikely it is it is really weird because yeah i I honestly have never quite understand how much Hufflepuff has, like, been devalued. Because I'm just like, clearly that's where all the weirdos go. <laughs> like, all the nice weirdos who just, like, yeah. want to share their snacks and be like, look at this cool painting I did or whatever. Because, yeah. again, where are the fucking artists at? Clearly they're all in Hufflepuff. They yeah. <laughs> uh, and probably a few in Ravenclaw for, like, technical art skills. But... Yeah, it's just the, yeah, it's like, oh, we could have had this win and now we don't. And then they still don't ever get another win again. And it's just like, why not? Right. Yeah. It's so weird. It's such a, such a weird choice. I mean, again, another reason why the house system sucks. Right. Should be abolished. Yeah. And the whole vibe of like, not smart or cunning or brave. And it's like, you mean just regular ass people? <laughs> That's fine. Some people just want to be in school and get their get their diploma or whatever the fuck you get when you leave Hogwarts and be done. Like, yep. I don't want to be a junior fascist or a dumb jock. So I guess, yeah, it's, it's just very ridiculous. I agree. Yep. 
All right, so my last editorial is the question of why Ollivander is out risking his life to pluck unicorn tails when we know <laughs> that you can just ethically gather unicorn hair in the forest. You know, I, I actually I actually had this in Yes, why? Live Okay. I don't know much about horses. I'm not a uh, I don't if, but I'm pretty sure going behind a horse and yanking out one of its hairs at the root sounds like you're gonna get kicked in the face and people die like that yeah. i'm like why aren't you just <laughs> hanging out in a in a blind on a in a tree waiting for them to just like s- scratch their butts against some bushes and there's just some f- some free hair not right getting you accidentally <laughs> run through by a unicorn yeah he should just be he should just be paying Hagrid for the hair that she collects. Apparently it's 10 galleons of hair, but like, come on, Ollivander, I know you can spare it. I mean, maybe he's a weirdo about, like, the freshness. I don't know, the ingredients. Clearly he's sourcing his own ingredients, which, okay, that's your craft, whatever. But, again... <laughs> Seems like you might get murdered <laughs> trying right. to pluck hairs off of a giant magical horse. <laughs> right. It's bad decision making. Like you can just gather them. Which yeah. does seem weirdly a thing you should be able to do with phoenixes now that I think about it. But I don't know. The phoenixes at least give consent. Yeah. You know, they have enough sapience or whatever to be able to be like yes i agree to contribute my tail feathers to wand making yeah and it just seems like it's not that hard to find bird feathers that's true (laughs) like they naturally fall off of birds yeah and they (laughs) we see the phoenixes molt too like because they go through that life cycle right yeah that's a good point wild truly wild uh-huh. maybe that's the real reason there are no apprentices they all get murdered by <laughs> it's like being an intern at the nightville radio station. <laughs> yes uh, yeah you only get to be a an apprentice if you can survive gathering ingredients for the first like five years that your apprenticeship lasts <sighs> it's like Parents don't let your children grow up to be wand apprentices. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Welcome to the personal section where we talk about sexy stuff. I think there's only one thing here, right? Would you like yeah. to, de- to declare it? <laughs> I would like to declare it. Oh, just that. Harry. Just points out that Cedric Diggory is exceptionally handsome. He's so handsome. <laughs> With his dark eyes and his hair and wait, oh, I'm, not looking, I'm not looking at the book. I actually do not remember. <laughs> he has gray <laughs> eyes and a straight nose and something else. No one's hit. No one's hit him in the face. Why would they? He's so <laughs> handsome. <laughs> Yep. Welcome to the health and science section where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, I want to return to the subject of wand cores, if that's okay. I sh- yeah. Yeah. I have stuff about the wand wood. So yeah, let's return to the wand cores. Cool. So I feel like, you know, we've heard wands have either phoenix feather dragon heartstring or unicorn tail Mm -hmm. but i feel like what we learn in this chapter is that's just what ollivander works with because vila hair works which makes me think that anything from a magical creature works so like centaur hair probably uh something from a thestral probably yeah uh, 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 outside of canon says that the Elder Wand has a thrust, a thestral tail hair in it. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think to your point, I think yes, 
this clearly, I feel like this means that you could use elements of magical creatures, of any magical creature, in your wand, it sounds like. As long as it's long enough, question mark? I don't know. Yeah, but so Ollivander says that Velahair is temperamental, so I assume that, like, different animals give, or creatures give sort of different vibes or whatever to one so maybe certain things work but aren't i mean i imagine given how much centaurs are not about witches that a centaur tail hair in a wand would be a very uncooperative wand right yeah um what i also think though is since what we get is you know ollivander is like oh yeah vila hair vila feathers whatever hair <laughs> Fila, Fila hair, he doesn't use it as too temperamental, but Flora, as we see, is a very powerful, competent witch herself. So mm-hmm. is it because she's part Vila? Is it because the Vila hair that she's using is from her grandmother? Like she has this familiar connection to her wand core. And so I wonder if there are some things that are like temperamental just because it it works best with something a little more specialized than just like pick out a wand until it fits you know right like maybe like the phoenix feather uh unicorn tail dragon heart stream is just good in general for a lot of people but if you're i don't know yeah say have a mixed heritage person like floor or maybe even hagrid you know like maybe a hair from a giant would work best for hagrid or a hair or a piece of a wild uh, uh magic creature that is a little bit more dangerous <laughs> than mm-hmm. uh, you know like could you use like silk from an acromantula an acromantula totally especially an acromantula that like hagrid knows personally <laughs> yeah you know and like maybe it would be like it wouldn't work like you couldn't find like a 12 year old that would work for but if you're a you know i don't want like, to say special but not like but like if if you're weird in the way that Hagrid is weird, being part yeah. of a giant, then maybe something, a more weird, unusual wand core would work better. I kind of like the idea that the more, like, sapience, the more um, human-like the creature that your your wand core is coming from, the more consent is built into it. So, like, not just consent, but, like, it has to be a gift. So, like... Yeah. Flora's grandmother can gift her a hair for her particular wand core or like Aragog could gift Hagrid a right a, a length of of spider silk for her wand core uh but if someone else tried to just like take those things and use them for a wand the wand wouldn't work for them or it would go very poorly yeah or you know if we get a situation which we see later in the books where you can kind of out-duel someone to, for mastery of their wand. Maybe it just... Which art doesn't work very well if you have a wand that's used to someone else's magic or, you're like, attuned to them. Then it, like, might not work at all. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, why doesn't this wand work? It's like, well, you're not BFF with a, a, a Aramantula, so duh, this Aramantula silk wand is not going to do shit for you. Right. I feel like with centaur hair, though... I, I feel that'd be probably good if you're like into divination and I mean, obviously you don't, we don't see people using their wands for divination or astrology much, but like, I feel like maybe you would, you could create really great star charts with like your wand that had a a centaur tail or braid hair in it. Yeah. Or like also probably, you know, if herbology was more what we want herbology to be in this series, I think centaur from what we see with when Ferenz is Ferenzi, Ferenz, whatever, is teaching divination. There's a lot of like plant magic involved. Yeah. Uh, speaking of plant magic, yeah. do you want to talk about the wood of everyone's wand? Yes, I do. Uh, we're going to start off with Cedric's wand. Okay. Uh, we already know it came from a unicorn. Does he say 16 or 17 hands high? I don't remember. Because I feel like maybe Ollivander is short because 16 hands high, that would be a five foot four inch unicorn. So not very big at all. Not very big. Hmm. 
Because, like, a, I guess a hand is four inches when you were talking about horses. Interesting. Uh, I do think canonically, Ollivander is is short. All right. So, uh, yeah. So, Cedric has an ash wood wand. So, there's different symbolism in, like, Celtic mythology versus Christian. Christians, I guess, are like, this is a, this is a pagan tree. <laughs> this is not good. But apparently in, like, a lot of other traditions is sort of like a protective like cleansing sort of plant and that about like like stability and security is a lot of their symbolism along with like protection essentially cool and weirdly fertility which r.i.p poor cedric (laughs) will not benefit from but you know it seems like a good this is like a good fit for 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 cedric Mm mm-hmm being a sort of like caring, caring dude, good head on his shoulders, not caught up in the whirlwind of like fuck Harry Potter. Even though he like, I don't think anyone would blame him if he was, but he no. like doesn't. He's just like, well, we're all here now, so you know. yeah, he's a really good guy. He's a good guy. All right, and then so let's move on to Flora, which who has rosewood, which I assumed was wood from a rosebush plant. No, it is apparently like a conifer that grows in brazil a lot uh apparently they were the wood is like prized for being beautiful and also apparently used to make instruments historically anyway so it's as far as symbolism goes there i guess it's one of strength and vulnerability that signals a time of inner conflict bummer i guess yeah i mean you still get strength <laughs> true <laughs> yeah the vulnerable part is real weird i mean yeah poor floor but also you know she's also big on aesthetics so also good for her for having this like beautiful true beautiful wand yes <laughs> uh and then uh lastly you get victor crumb he has a horn beam wood wand very strong strong wood as you probably know his wand is described like of all the ones so phallically uh yeah it's like girthy is she they don't say girthy he's like rigid thicker than usual (laughs) ten and a half inches you're like protective kind of wood uh with the symbolism so yeah cool mm-hmm. good a good sturdy thick girthy wand <laughs> for <a winter. laughs> oh jeez. all right i just have one more thing which is uh question uh olivander creates some birds with someone's wand Mm -hmm. i just want to know did these birds exist previous were they sort of sucked out of one place in time and then emitted from the wand here or did he create the birds from nothing and if he created them from nothing you know where did where did the parts come from and like are they real birds could they go out and like do they have all the instincts of whatever breed of bird they are could they mate can they live full lives i guess i would assume no okay (laughs) i would assume that he i don't know what you would create how you would i don't think that they're like birds that have been pulled from someplace i think he's just created the illusion of birds or whatever and then they're gonna maybe disappear in like an hour or something okay I think you have to be right because you can't create food. And I, I think if you could create a chicken with your wand, you that's by definition, you've created food. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, what is the other things? It's like wine pours out of one of them and then flowers. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, yeah. So. Which wine is also food. I don't know about that. Also, also, is he just pouring wine on the floor? <laughs> I'm like, is anyone drinking this wine? Like, is it going to a cup? Is it just like, woo? Like, I'm just... I hope it went into a cup. 
I thought it was kind of rude that he gave Flora a present and then didn't give anyone else a present. He's like, here's some flowers. Like maybe the wine went in a cup and he was like, here's some wine. Here's some pet birds. They'll disappear in a couple hours. Oh, jeez. Do you have anything else? Uh, Yeah, just a couple of short things. I don't know if I've talked about this, but I feel like this, the the squid in the lake acts more like an octopus than a squid. And really just should just be an octopus. I agree. And lastly, so this is the book where we get a lot of like weird magic stuff. And I kind of just want to talk about the fact that Harry and Malfoy curse each other. The spells meet in the middle and then they ricochet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is that? How? Why? Why do they not know shield charms to, sh- to have everyone to have shielded themselves? It's just like, we're just going to run in the opposite end of the gourd, but it's like clearly not far enough. Great question. I'm so glad you brought this up too, because I had a question about this too. We do see other spells ricochet, right? In the future. I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's how Voldemort dies. Yeah. And I mean, we get even later in this book, like t- the spells conjoining and then the whole weave of light and magic blah blah yeah i don't think they know shield charms to just get i which yeah i was like, like when do they learn that <laughs> i don't know not soon enough yeah it's like because it makes it seem like the the spell on its way to its destination is like a physical a physical yeah. object yeah and it's like, it's also just kind of like, were they both just aiming at the, like, precisely aiming so it, like, hit in the middle? Is it like, they're both equally as powerful, so it's not gonna, like, overwhelm the, I, it's just, it's just very curious to me. Didn't we also see the stunning spells at the beginning of this book, like, ricocheting off of trees? Very weird. Yeah, because I mean... That's what bullets do. <laughs> like, bullets can ricochet. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, I mean, a weird thing. But it's just, I guess it just seems like, do you even need to block a spell if you can hit it just right that it might just ricochet? I mean, I guess it still could potentially hit you, but it's not going to hit you dead on, I guess. I don't think that they intentionally, I think it was just chance that they mm-hmm. happened to cross at just the right point that they hit each other. I don't think they were very far from each other at the time that they were casting them. So they're they're the exact same height, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I wanted to just I I think I meant to bring this up in an earlier section, but whatever. So uh Draco and Harry both cast these spells that clearly they weren't taught in class, which makes me think that there are like basically zines that go around hogwarts of like you know petty fight in the hallway spells that people just just learn all the you know like yeah it's just passed down through through the ages because where the fuck else are they learning like a teeth enlargement spell and a boil giving spell yeah no i think i think you're i think you're totally right yeah I'm just imagining a little photocopied zine, even though they don't have photocopies. So is it like a really like leather bound little booklet or like crumpled up, like really worn, like scrolls of parchment? Mm-hmm. It's like, here's how you can really get them. Yeah, I think it's great. It is a very cute. Cool. Is that all the things? I do believe that is all the things. Cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. Before we get into our end notes, I want to say an enormous thank you to Jake, Tina Kay, and Fionn. I'm very sorry I meant to look up how to say your name. Who left us very generous donations. You guys are the best. And also to MC227AJ fan and Twisted Queen here for leaving us very nice reviews. Aw, thanks everyone. Um, and... I just want, we were referred to in one of the reviews as uh, the listeners woke queer ants. And so I'm going to take a moment to remind you that I am your woke queer uncle. Just so you know, just putting that out there. Uh, Yes. So 
The Gaily Prophet and our other podcast, Escape from Reality, are creations of Hashtag Ruthless Productions and are produced, mixed, and edited by me. If you want to support us, you could also leave us a lovely review that we'll read and then thank you about at the end of the show. You should also uh, tell your friends, listen to us, because we're a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can also uh, share some of our stuff on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at The Gaily Prophet. You could also check us out on our website, uh, hashtag ruthless.com, where you can uh, buy our merch or leave a donation or listen to past episodes just on your computer. Um, there's also a link to our Patreon where you can uh, support us monthly. And we have cool Patreon exclusive content for you to listen to. We sure do. Like our conversation about celebrities' dick sizes. <laughs> In this episode, for example. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. If you want to find me on the internet, and specifically if you want to help kickstart my tarot deck or even just look at it, you can uh, do so on Instagram where I am at Lark Malachi, which is L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I, or my website, which is LarkMalachi.com, or on the hashtag Ruthless website and Instagram, obviously. If you want to follow me, I'm on uh, Instagram at live from detroit and on twitter at jesse underscore detroit our show art is by theo julian forrester the music and our theme song is by kevin mcleod and until next time press ons exceptionally handsome girth (laughs) and harness (laughs) excellent they're all very weirdly sexual now that i read it out loud anyway whatever it's perfect (laughs) 